ground that receives. Matthew chapter 13, and I'm reading number one. All right. Thank you, George. Got a little bit of uh, mic issue going on, but we got that taken care of now. Thank you for helping me there. All right. Uh, Matthew chapter number 13, and I'm going to begin reading at verse number one. Uh, Jesus is going to be teaching. It says, On the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. And then he spoke many things to them in parables. But here is the first one that he said. He said, Behold, a sower went out, to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up. And choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Turn to someone next to you and tell them, listen up tonight. The Lord has something to say to us. Now, move over with me to verse number 18 of that same chapter, if you would. Matthew 13, verse number 18. And, and here is the explanation Jesus gives of the parable of the sower. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower, he says. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation a persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now, he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Now something just hit me as I was reading through that, and I'm going to mention this to you. I may come back to it later on, but I don't want to just miss this because it popped into my mind. In verse 21, as I was reading to you, and it says that he has no root, that it had fallen in, on the stony ground, and he had no root in himself, but only endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word. And something hit me there I wasn't planning to say, but I'll go ahead and say this now just so that I don't miss it. How many know the word of God will cause issues in our world? Amen. 
It'll cause some persecution and some tribulation. Because the Word is a divider. The Word is, is surgical. The Word is doing God's work in our lives and in our world. And how many know flesh does not like the Word? And not only does flesh not like the Word, our adversary doesn't like the Word. And so there's going to be battles when we hold to the Word of God. How many believe it's important to hold to the Word of God today? We are living in a culture and in a society and in a time. It's been this way since the beginning, but we are alive now. And it seems even greater to us now than it has been. That could be up for debate. But I believe that the attack is greater now. Uh, it feels like that to me anyhow. But we live in a day where people, the world has always fought against the Word of God. The enemy has always fought against the Word of God. Flesh has always fought against the Word of God. But we are living in a moment where many who claim to make up portions of the church, the body of Christ, are fighting against the Word of God. They, they would rather have comfort in culture than fullness in the Word of God. Amen. And that will cause... Struggles, and we're seeing them today. We've got whole, whole movements within the body that's called the church. We have whole denominations that are beginning to accept things that are completely contrary to the Word of God. Ordaining same-sex uh, uh, ministers and preachers, which is, is completely in contradiction to God's Word. Amen? accepting of wickedness and, and evil at every turn, which, which directly comes in opposition with the Word of God. And so we, we are seeing this movement away, in fact, so much so that in many seminaries now and in many Bible schools now, they are not teaching the Word of God. They are teaching the ways of man and questioning the Word of God. Amen? That's why many people will go to Bible school and to seminaries and come out with their faith weaker or non-existent. Right? The Word of God is powerful. It divides asunder. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. But it will bring struggle. By nature, the Word of God will produce struggle within our lives and within our world. So always be ready for that. That's why we have to have a made-up mind. Anybody got a made-up mind? We have to have a made-up mind that we're going to walk with Christ, we're going to walk in the Word of God, and we're going to stand for Him. And here's the good news. When your mind is made up on following Jesus, He's not going to leave you. You will not be defeated. You will not be overwhelmed. You will not be overcome. Even when times are hard, the Lord has promised to go with us, to deliver us out of, to persevere through. He is with those who hold to his word amen now i just wanted to bring that to you because as i was reading that that jumped out at me so tonight i'm going to talk to you for the next few moments about ground that receives and if you listen real quick we might get done early amen put the onus on you ground that receives how many want to be a life that can receive what god is sowing. Amen. 
We, we, need to, we need to hear the Word, and we need to be ground lives that can receive the Word of God. Last Wednesday, we talked about deception. The last, uh, my, my last teaching on Wednesday was about deception as we talked about those wheat and tares, and we talked about the deception of the enemy, and we talked about the deception, the deception of the sleeping uh, church, and we talked about the deception of even the servants that wanted to say something was wrong with the master, and deception is all around us. And so we need to be clear-minded, and the way to be clear-minded is to make sure we are ground that can receive God's Word so that we can make an impact in our world and our life can be pleasing to the Lord. Amen. It's very important what the ground, it, it is important what the ground is, is like, what it contains. This is the the purpose that we see in this parable. It is very important what the ground contains. Amen. What is in the soil is pivotal in this parable. As Jesus is teaching this, what is in the ground is important. There's, some, there's something we need to hear about that because we live in a world where people say, well, it really doesn't matter what I'm subjected to, or, or what, as long as I say Jesus is my Savior and I accept. Well, Jesus would teach in this parable that what is in you is very important. What you allow in you is very important. Because it's going to determine the production of your life. It's very important what is in the ground. The harvest that we see in this, he said that in the good ground, it would produce some hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. In the good ground, the harvest is the life of people. It's their life. Their life is being harvested. Their, 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 their blessing, their walk, it's, it's people that he is talking about. And so tonight, in order to be ground that receives, I'm going to talk to you about the progression of the harvest field. The progression that we see in the harvest field. So let's just jump into this. We're going to look at these four areas tonight and, uh, and then just sum this up. So let's start off. Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 4. Verse 3 says, Behold, a sower went out to sow. Who is the sower? The Lord is the sower. And a sower went out to sow. And verse 4, And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside. And the birds came and devoured them. Some seeds, in the New Living Translation, in, in that, it, it tells us in, in, in the New Living, it says, Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. And as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Some fell on the footpath. Now, as we look at this progression, we're going to see four different ways 
that ground can receive the Word of God and, and the, what's going to produce because of that. The first thing that we see is on this footpath by the wayside. So the sower is going out and he's sowing. That, the, the sower, they would have carried a side packet and they would have just been sowing seed. So seed is being scattered out along this field. And the first group that he comes to, it says that some fell on the very footpath that was being walked on. So it wasn't in the, in the rows that were going to produce. It, was, it, was, it had fell by the wayside, the footpath. And what this says to me is, is this is first talking about the ground that is just flesh only. Totally superficial. It's been walked on, trampled on. It, 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 it's not really meant to, to hold seed it, it just, it, it's like wasted. It's just flesh only. And here is where we got into the last lesson that I shared with you. This is where the deceived, if you walk in this world only according to your flesh, you will be deceived by the adversary. Notice what happens to this ground. This ground, before it could even think about taking root, the birds of the air, the fowls of the air, the adversary of the seed, come on now, and the adversary of the harvest. How many know birds are adversaries of the seed and of the harvest? Amen. And so what you need to understand is your enemy is an adversary of God's word and of God's harvest. That's, that's what he wants to produce in us. And so uh, on this path, the, the, whether it's only flesh, there is deception because before it could even take root, the Bible says these birds swooped down, picked it up, and took it off. So it's, it's just completely deceived. It's ground, but it's not going to produce anything except a footpath. A place of being trampled on. A place of being walked on. It's not going to produce an intended harvest. Now, if we're going to be ground that is going to receive, if we're going to be ground that receives, then we have to strive however possible to be free in our life from flesh influence or, or spiritual Wicked influence, demonic influence, our adversary's influence. We, we have to labor at that. We've been talking about on Sundays to prepare for war. And we talked about our, our flesh. We have to build our, our walls need to be strong and bold. And our gates need to be guarded, the gateway into our life. We've been talking about our mind and preparing our mind. Because we are in a war. We are preparing for war. A amen. And so people that are only walking in the flesh are not prepared to receive the seed of the Word of God. I wonder if that does not describe many people that sit in sanctuaries Sunday after Sunday. And they are driven and led and dominated by their flesh. The adversary has deceived them. And even before the Word can take hold, the enemy has already clutched it away from them. We need to be ground that receives. We need to be free. This really talks about the world that is around us. Those that are without God. Those that are far from God. The enemy is deceiving them. We're in a war and we're not realizing it. 
And so we, we talked about the deception of the enemy last week, and I'll just sum that up for you a little bit, and then we're going to press forward. But it tells us that the enemy goes about lying and deceiving. Amen? In Genesis chapter 3, we find Satan attacks our harvest. Amen. Because he attacks what man was intended to produce. We, we find out that because even Adam then fell in that garden, the, the Bible says that he would bruise the heel of her child, the, the woman's child, but he would bruise, he would crush his head, speaking that Jesus would overcome the enemy. But he's after our harvest. He's after the, the issue of life that God wants for us. In fact, Daniel chapter 7 tells us that he will attempt to steal the harvest and harass the believers. He would wear you out if he could. Any of you ever felt worn out? When you get in your flesh only, this is why the Bible says we walk by faith, not by what? Because if you walk by sight, you're only walking by your flesh. And if you walk by sight, then the Word of God can't take hold and produce what it's intended to produce. Amen. Without faith, Hebrews chapter 11 tells us, without faith, it is impossible to what? To please God. You can't do it. You cannot please God. You know what's pleasing to God? That we would accomplish His will. Do you know where we find His will? We find His will in His Word. Amen. Jesus, they said of Him, when He was on this earth, He said of Himself, He said, I have to be about my Father's business. I didn't come for anything else but to fulfill the Word of my Father. Amen. And the Bible says the Father was pleased with Him. In him he was, well, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's what he would say to them as he would, would speak, as the father would speak over Christ. And so we've got too many that are like the ground that is just a footpath for flesh. That's the picture that I saw. It's just a footpath, footpath for flesh. I mean, they're just, they're, they're, just, they're just trodden down by the flesh, the ways of the flesh. They're, just, they're not spiritually minded at all. And to be carnally minded is death. It's destruction. It's loss. You can't produce God's will if you're carnally minded. We have to be spiritually minded. So, so don't, don't allow your life to just become a footpath of the flesh. Because when you do, the enemy can deceive you and steal everything God wants to bring to your life through His Word. Amen. I mean, no, if you, that, we've got a dilemma today. We've got, we got people that they never even open their Bible. They claim to be Christians, but they know nothing about the Word of God. There's no seed getting into their life. There's no Word that's building them up. They, they sit in pews on Sundays, and sometimes they hear messages out of the Word, and oftentimes they don't. And then they go home, and they don't open their Bible. They don't read their Word. They don't. Seed is never allowed into their ground. And because of that, they live in great deception. Amen. That's group number one. So the progression of the harvest, we find group number one, the flesh only the deceived group the footpath for the flesh the second group that we come in uh, to is we find 
the stony ground. Let's, let's look at this in Matthew chapter 13 again, in verse number 5. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. So now we're talking about a group that they don't have depth. So the first group were totally trodden down with flesh. I mean, they just were the footpath of flesh. They, they, were, they were completely deceived. They, the Word had landed on them, but it could not take hold at all before it was plucked away. Amen. That, that's why when I read this, I almost see more than the world, I almost see people that, that, that are a part of or claim to be a part of the body of Christ because the seed hit all of them. Now, the Word of God, even the heavens declare and proclaim, the Bible tells us, the glory of God. But that first group, it, it, there's just nothing there. There's no life with this. Their ground is totally unprepared. They are footpaths of flesh, and the enemy is just controlling them and deceiving them. The second group, it says that when it fell on stony places, they did not have much earth. And, and in my mind, I saw a path. They're walking. The, the sower is sowing seed. Here's the footpath. Some of it's falling there, but then some of it is just off of the path, but not quite to the, to the good field and stony ground. Maybe they have taken stones out of the field and they've tossed them over to the side and it's just gathered there along the edges. Amen? I, I, when I was young... We would go out and had family out in southwest Oklahoma, and we would go out in different places, and, and, and we would hunt. We would, we would gather. When, we, when I was young, we would gather, and, and we would go quail hunt. But the thing about our quail hunting was different than most because we didn't have dogs. And if you don't have dogs and you're out quail hunting, for those of you that may not know, you, you, you just got to walk fence rows. <laughs> And you just got to walk the areas where, where, where they might be hiding. And it's just kind of gathered over at the sides over here. There's fields where there could be food, but, but they're gathered over at the side. And it's just rough over there. It's, it's, not, it's not really the field. And in my mind, that's what I see about this second group. They, they are not complete footpaths. But yet, they are still stony ground, and, and the ground in their life is so shallow. There is no depth of life. Amen. There's no depth of living. The, the Bible even said in, in the New King James Version, there was no depth of this earth. Of, of this life. In the New Living, other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. And it sprouted up quickly because the soil was shallow. See, here's the thing. It can, it can spring up real fast, but if there's no depth, it can't last. Amen. And we see that a lot in our world. We see those that have moments, encounters. But where there's no depth, there can be no lasting production. Amen. Now, there, there's a lot to this tonight, a lot of different ways we could go. But 
the church needs to get back to having some ground with depth again. Amen. Not just the fluff, not just the moment, not just the service, not just the, the everything that appeals to people. There needs to be depth. Because without depth, you might have an encounter, but you won't last. Have you ever known anyone that's had encounters with Christ but didn't last? Amen. I mean, they had moments. God moved in their life, but there was no depth. And, and they didn't prepare. They didn't, they didn't strive for depth. They, again, they didn't get with the Word and didn't dig a little bit deeper and maybe remove some of that stony ground, allow the Lord to remove that out of their life, and they were shallow. What I saw in this, I saw people here that, that they are distanced from the good ground. So they're not on the footpath, but they are distanced from good ground. Ground that receives is good ground. This ground was distanced from there. It was right off the edge of the path, and there were stones all in it. It's not out into the good ground. It's distanced. Let me, let me tell you, there's a warning here for drifting from your walk with the Lord. Because stony ground will keep you distanced. This is fleshly desire. The, the Bible talks about the heart of stone. You remember talking about that? It, it talks about that God will remove the heart of stone out of people's lives. He will change it. He will transform it. That fleshly desire that, that is in all of our flesh, that, that will, it's like stones that are in the ground. And so we might have encounters with the Word. It springs up, but it does not last. We must be free in order to produce God's will, God's plan, what God's Word is given to, to produce in us, we have to be free from fleshly desire. If you want to turn over there with me, turn over with me to John, or I'm sorry, James chapter number 4. James chapter 4 and verse 7. James 4 verse 7, it says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. The only way you do that is through Christ and the washing of the water of His Word. Amen. Lament and mourn and weep, and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Don't allow distance in your life. Don't allow distance from the Lord. Don't allow distance from good soil that the Word can take root in. See, that it, without discipline, distance will grow. How many know what most often relationships that fall apart? They fall apart because of distance that grows. Somewhere along the line, something happens and distance gets in the middle of the relationship. And they're not, they're not together as they once were. They're not as focused as they once were. And distance can doom you. It can happen with God too. It can happen with His Word. It can happen in your walk with the Lord. I, I know this isn't probably the most exciting message but I think there's some things here we can learn 
Because I don't know about you, I want to be ground that can receive God's word. I want to be ground that not only receives but produces. And so I got to guard against distance. I can't allow the stones of life, my fleshly desire to overtake me. Psalm 73 and verse 27. If you're writing, taking notes, write this down. Psalm 23, I'm sorry, Psalm 73 verses 27 and 28. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all of your works. It is vital that we learn how to draw near, that we cut the distance don't, see, here's, here's a trick of the enemy. And if you haven't learned this already, you will very soon. The enemy wants to isolate you. Have you ever noticed that? When you're going through something, the enemy wants to isolate you. The first thought in your flesh is to isolate. You know why the enemy wants to do that? He wants to isolate you from God and His Word. I've talked with many, many people that will say, Pastor, when they're going through something, I just can't, I can't read the Word. I can't pray. That's the attack of the enemy. There's, there's stones in the ground and the enemy has distracted you. And, and if it's some, for some it may be fleshly desires or it's fleshly things that are causing them to, to allow distance in. Amen. The enemy will isolate if at all possible. Because if he can isolate you, he can mess up your ground and he can hinder your harvest. In biblical times, when enemies would go into another land and would capture the land or, or want to defeat their enemy, and you know what one thing they would do would be? They would go in and they would take stones and they would cast stones into their fields of harvest. And the reason for that was because it would ruin their future harvest. They not only wanted to destroy them, they not only wanted to stop them, they wanted to destroy their future, and that's what your enemy tries to do. He wants to throw stones, and stones can represent for us fleshly desires or fleshly attacks. He wants to bring distance. So determine you will not allow distance in your walk with the Lord. You will cling to good ground. You will cling to Him. You will stay close to him. How do you do that? How do we stay close to God? This is basic. Let me tell you some basic ways you stay close to God. You read his word. Just read his word. Doesn't matter how much, just read his word until he says something to you. I'll tell people that sometimes. I'll say, well, Pastor, how much should I read? And I will tell them, well, you read it until you receive something from the Lord out of it. And then you dwell on that a little bit. Amen. As, as a pastor, I'm not immune to this. As a pastor, I have to do more than just read the word studying for messages and lessons. Amen. As a preacher and as a teacher, I can't just study to teach or just study to preach. I, I have to have personal devotion time or else distance will come into my life. 
I've known so many pastors, preachers, evangelists, teachers. I've known so many that, that they were preparing messages and preparing lessons and having revivals and doing all these things, but they weren't spending personal time. And distance got in. And they didn't last. Amen. Therefore, I have to discipline myself. And I have to daily read. Daily. And sometimes I'll get up in the mornings. I've, I've gotten to where the older I get, the less I sleep anyway. And so I wake up early in the morning, and that's a great time to read the Word. But I'll get up in some mornings. My flesh doesn't feel like sitting in there and reading the Word. I'd rather turn the TV on and see what the news is saying. Or I'll sit there and try to read, and when I thought I was awake, all of a sudden I start getting really tired again. <laughs> or my mind starts running on a to-do list for the day, and all of these different things. But that's where I have to discipline myself, and I have to, I have to devotionally read the Word. We don't teach this enough anymore, I believe. You must have devotional time in the Word of God. You must. I never will forget. my. I was raised this way, but Veronica's grandparents... Uh, we I, we had the privilege of pastoring them for a few years when we pastored at Shoto. They were two of the most godly people I ever knew. And any time you went to their house, if you ever spent the night at their house, you would hear them, either you would hear them, see them, or you were compelled to join with them in reading the Word. Amen. The TV was more for news, and that was about it. <laughs> Right? And they were reading the Word. They were praying. So you got to get your Word. you got to pray. you got to think on the right things. That's how you guard against distance. Amen. Have any of you ever found yourself with distance in your walk with the Lord? I have. It's like when, when there's distance between my, me and the Lord, there, there's like there's stony ground in my life. That, that I can receive something from God, but then it, it's like it might spring up for a moment, and then, it, then it's just fleeting, it's just gone. Distance will do that. Stony ground, shallow living will cause that. Amen. Let's look at the next group. Matthew 13, we're talking about a progression in the harvest. We're talking about ground that can receive. The next group in, in verse number 7 of Matthew 13, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. If you go over in, in Matthew 13 and verse 22, it says, Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. The thorns, this is weedy ground. You know, thorns are weeds. It's weedy ground. That's what this is. And these are those that find themselves distracted. So you've got the deceived, the footpath for the flesh. You've got the distanced, the stony ground. And the flesh, they're always stumbling over the flesh. And now you've got the distracted. Because now you've got good ground mixed with weeds. 
that produces thorns. Amen. And the thorns will grow up with the wheat. And the word said that the thorns represent worldly care. You hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. It's not talking about finances. We get so caught up in that. Riches, it's not about how much money you have. That's not either good or bad. Money is just a, a means that God gives. And, and some have gifts and callings. And so money is given and they give it. And they do. money is just a, it, money is not really wicked or good. Money is just kind of static. And if you use it for God's purposes, you'll find blessing. Amen. But the riches that the word talks about is, is when, when you do have more money or you have more of the things of this world, you can become easily distracted. Amen. Have you ever been a Christian when you had nothing? How many? Come on. A Christian when you really didn't have much anything else. You had Jesus and not much else. Veronica and I, we were laughing. We were talking to Emily just the other day about when we started in ministry. And we both had good jobs. And, and, and we left those jobs. And we were at Shoto pastoring. And we had a little parsonage that had a big north window, a single pane window. And in the winter time, that, that cold wind would blow in through that window. And it would get so cold in there. And there was like some weak spots and holes in the floor and all this stuff. And there were times we didn't have enough money to get groceries. And we were serving the Lord, living for the Lord. And you know what would happen? The Lord would send somebody by. And they'd knock on the door, and they didn't know because we didn't tell them. And they'd say, the Lord just told us to get you some groceries. Or the Lord just wanted us to bless you with it. We didn't have much, but we had Jesus. Amen. And when you rely upon Jesus above everything else, you find blessing just comes your way. Amen. But then we've also had times in life where we had Jesus, but we also had more stuff. And let me tell you. Any, have y'all ever been there? Have you ever had Jesus and had more stuff of the world? How many would agree it's much easier to get distracted when you have more stuff of the world than it is when you don't have any of it? Right? Now, I'm not advocating everybody. I don't, I don't want to go back to not having enough money to buy groceries. You know, that, that used to sometimes in some of the churches they would say their job was to keep the pastor poor and humble, and God's job was to use them. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to go back to those times, but I do know this. The more stuff you start collecting, the more distracted you can become. And it can become thorns in your life. Amen. And thorns can choke out the harvest. The fleshly wants and desires. Not needs. The wants. God will supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory. And God will give you the desires of your heart. But your heart has to be turned to Him. Amen. But do you know not every want and not every desire we have is a godly thing? And they're not always necessary. In fact, sometimes they would do more damage. I've known some people that say, Boy, I wish God would bless me with a boat. And I, I, I would like to tell them sometimes, if God blessed you with a boat, we'd, He'd never see you again. Because you'd be gone every Sunday out to the lake. <laughs> Come on now, y'all with me? 
Amen. If, if that hits you, I didn't mean for it to. I don't think it did anybody here. Thankfully, we don't have the, those. Prideful concepts. These things all come attached to the flesh nature. And if we're not careful, if we don't keep our ground weeded, it'll be overrun. And distraction will set in. I see this as you got the, the footpath of the flesh, they're deceived. And then right beside that, you got the stony ground where the stones were cast out. Some grounds there, when seed hits it, it can pop up, but then it can't last. It gets scorched real easy. And then next to that, you've got the area of the field that, that you didn't pay as much attention to. The corners, the edges. It's not all the way over where the stones are, but it's just at the edges, and you paid more attention to the middle of it, and so there you didn't weed it quite as well. Amen. We got, we got a flower bed in our, in our yard, and, and here's what I've noticed, and Veronica can, can back this up. We are constantly having to pull weeds. Well, she is constantly, she's back there pointing at herself, so I'm, I'm correcting myself here as I go. She is, con- I did pull some the other day, but she is constantly out pulling the weeds, but they are at the side, the edge of the flower bed. Because on in there, you know, we did more with that soil. We took care of it a little bit better. We prepared it a little bit better. So the weeds right there. And so this is what I see in my mind. The, the sower goes out to sow and the word falls on these areas. And if we haven't tended well to our ground, thorns will come up with it. It will grow up together. And, and, it, and the, the thorns will distract us from the harvest. The stuff gets in the way. Life gets in the way. Sometimes blessing can get in the way. As odd as that sounds. Sometimes we can pray and pray for things. But if we're not tending our ground, then when God gives them to us, all of a sudden, we forget where it all came from. Here's a scripture I found as I was studying this out. Ezekiel chapter 33. You want Write this down if you're taking notes. Ezekiel 33 and verses 31 through 33. Ezekiel 33, 31 to 33. Listen. He says, so they come to you as people do. They sit before you as my people. They hear your words, but they do not do them. Amen. For with their mouth they show much love, but with their hearts pursue their own gain. Indeed, you are to them as a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear your words. But they do not do them. And when this comes to pass, surely it will come. Then they will know that a prophet has been among them. How often does it sound good to us, but we are distracted? Do we know, but we are distracted by the thoughts and cares of life? Things of the flesh. We're like the disciples sleeping in the garden. And then finally we'll close. Matthew 13, but others' seeds fell on good ground and yielded a good crop. Some hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In verse 23, but he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. 
who indeed bears fruit and produces. See, you see the progression in the harvest? Now, they receive the word on this ground. They, they are ground that can receive, and they understand it. So, the stones now, it's, it's, it, it's not stony ground, it's something that can last. And, and then they produce, it bears fruit, and they produce. Amen. The thorns, it's tended to well. And now this ground is ground that can receive and ground that can produce. Here's what I'm going to say to you. If your life will be ground that can receive God's word fully, your life will be a life that will produce God's word completely. You will, you will produce God's word in your life. You will, there will be fruit in your life because the ground has received. Amen. That's ground that's prepared and receptive. It's hungry. It's ready. Here's what I saw, and I'm going I'm to tell you this, and I'm going to pray, and we'll close. This ground is desperate ground. You know how I know that? Because it needs something in it to produce. It's not a footpath. Stones have been removed out of it. The weeds have all been weeded out of it. And it's just there ready. It's desperate for something. It has nothing else now but seed in it that can produce. Amen. And we'll not be perfect while we're on this earth. But let us strive to be lives that are desperate to receive the seed of the Word of God so that we can produce God's plan. Unlearn the ways of the world so God's good seed can produce in your life. Stand to your feet with me tonight. Those of you that were online with us, we thank you for being online with us. Matthew 7 and 7, Jesus is teaching and he said, Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. As I was thinking about this good ground that can produce, I was thinking about lives that are willing to ask. You've received God's word, so now you've got faith to ask. Lives that will continue to seek. So you'll ask, but you'll keep listening for God's response, for God's direction, for God's leading. And then knock, and as the door opens, you'll walk through. That's what God wants to produce. He says, live a life that you can ask, you can walk with me. You will seek after me and listen for me. And then you will walk through the open doors that I have for you. Let's be ground that can receive. Bow your heads and let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight. Thank you for being a good Thank you for sending your son, the living word, 
And that through him you have sowed the word into all hearts and lives. You've, you've given. Now, Lord, let us examine our ground. Let us be free from deception. Not just footpaths for the flesh. Let us, Lord, not spend our life distanced where stones can get in the way and quench out and cause us to not be able to endure. And let us not be distracted by the thorns of life, the weeds of the world. Let our ground be good, that we would receive your good word. We would produce your good harvest. Father, we can't do it on our own. We must have your help, your leading, your guidance. We must have your spirit. We must most of all have your son Jesus as our Savior. But as we walk in him, led by your spirit, we will be people that will produce the fruit of the Spirit. And we will produce your works. So we ask for that tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.